It's time for JT the Brick. The business I chose, that is real. That is bleeping real right now. Why am I bringing this up? It's what I do best. I screw up five times a day before breakfast. I'm not going crazy on this one. I'm not. I'm not going crazy. Does anybody listen to me? We talk balls on sports radio. JT the Brick. I don't have notes online. I just, that's off the top of my head. The whole radio show's off the top of my head. I don't have a three-hour pre-show meeting like those other guys where the interns write the show. It's all off the top of my head. We make memories on this show for the Raider Nation. Jump on with us. Do your job. Win these games. Let's be up 10 points in the fourth quarter. Let's go in and shock the world. We are not the official show of the practice squad. I want to talk about the starters and the impact guys. We're going to put this team on the map. If this is too hardcore for you, turn the channel. Don't embarrass Bobby. Wow, I can go in 10 different directions today. No half-ass effort. I bring passion and energy for every second I'm on the radio. And now, it's a tweet. Don't take it too seriously. Here's JT the Brick. JT, as we begin the final hour of the week here on the flagship of the Silver and Black Raider Nation Radio, my conversation with the head coach, Josh McDaniels, coming up here in a little bit. I spoke to him yesterday. We do that every Thursday. It was early because they're on the East Coast clock of West Virginia. So we'll get to that in a few minutes. And then Jason Horowitz, along with Q and I for Raiders Roundtable, a portion of that. As we continue on, we'll thank all of our proud partners before I get out of here. Final hour of the week, and we had a good week. A lot of meetings, a lot of activations, a lot of remotes coming up. I got a couple of big ones a week from today. Next Friday, noon to 2 I'll be at Top Golf. Uh, that's going to be a good one. We do nice remotes around here, and this one's going to be a lot of fun. So if you can come on out, I'd really appreciate it. We'll be at Top Golf, and this is a big weekend out here in Vegas. There's a lot going on, so that's Friday, the 22nd at Top Golf. So we're on schedule for our show. It'll be brought to you by Modelo. We should have some of the black hole there, a lot of friends coming out there. So please jump on board as that is right around the corner as everything is starting pretty fast here. Also, my evening with Fred Bolitnikoff, uh, that's something that I'll be promoting a lot. That'll be ahead of this game. That's Saturday, September 23rd. Uh, that'll be from 5 to 8 o'clock at the Ghost Bar, right on top of the Palm. Spent a lot of time there over the years. They redid it. It's a beautiful room. Fred Bolitnikoff, the cover charge is only $25. $25 to have some conversation we're going to have a meet and greet there's going to be an opportunity i'm going to do a q a with fred we're going to take some questions there and a good time just good raider karma remember i told you last week ed sheeran canceled i went to carlos santana that was good karma the raiders won well how great would it be before the home opener on sunday night football if you join fred bolitnikoff and myself we're calling it the pre-game warm-up with fred bolitnikoff benefiting the bolitnikoff foundation featuring a Q&A with myself and Fred, and that'll be great at the Ghost Bar. So please come on out there. So we're starting to activate some of these events that are coming up here, and we're really looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to getting back into inside Allegiant Stadium. I did a couple of events and emceed some events there in the offseason, but I haven't seen it, haven't been in there in a while, and the Raiders will be the last team, the last team to have a home opener because they play Sunday night at the end of next week coming off the Buffalo game. So the Buffalo game is a big one. I'll get to Coach McDaniels here in a second. You know how I feel about this game all week long. I've used terms like house money, puncher's chance, stay in the game, keep it close. I don't know what's going to happen. It's either going to be a Josh Jacobs day on the ground 
or it's going to be a shootout and the Raiders are going to have to fight to get back into the game. Either way, I hope the Raiders have a chance to win this game. Use the tournament. I don't care. Steal the game on the road because Buffalo is a heavy favorite and the Raiders are going to have to play a great game. The Raiders played good enough to win in Denver. They didn't play a great game. They had 10 penalties. A couple of players didn't even get targets in that game. I think we'd all agree that the Raiders have the ability to play a better game, and if they do, they can win it. But if they play at the level they played at with Denver, which was high emotion, grit, and guts, they can win a game because Buffalo's all over the place. Turning it over, and that was a terrible performance that met life as Aaron Rodgers only played four plays and they couldn't beat Zach Wilson. All right, my conversation was yesterday with Josh McDaniels. I was at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. He was back at the Briars in West Virginia. Here's the head coach of the Silver and Black. Coming off the win in Denver, we welcome in head coach Josh McDaniels. And, Coach, a lot of what you've been talking about, smart play, that final drive with 5.08 to go. Jimmy stays in bounds. Josh picks up a big block. Talk about the end of the game and the victory. Yeah, we, you know, the game, we figured it would be a close game. Uh, division games on the road are uh, obviously important as, as you go through the course of the season. And, um, you know, it, it came down to our overall execution and mental toughness uh, there at the end. And I thought the offense put together, the defense obviously stopped them to, to get the ball back to us. And then the offense went down and executed enough plays to win. And certainly the last play you're talking about, uh, Denver was trying to put some pressure on us. Um, I thought our guys handled the blitz very well. J.J. picked up uh, the one of the two linebackers, and then Jimmy made a great play uh, to get through there and, and then knew what he needed to get to create the first down and then also put, you know, put the game out of reach by sliding inbounds and, and forcing Denver to use their last timeout. O-line toughness. Let's get into that. The pass protection, the run blocking to try to get Josh going, especially before we get to the Bills. But what did you see in pass protection throughout the game from up front? Yeah, I thought they did a good job of working together. Um, We really connected on all of our protections, um, handled some of the pressures very well. I thought some of the, you know, when they had the four-man rush, um, I thought our inside guys really did a good job of cleaning out the pocket and being physical and aggressive to do that, to, to kind of create some lanes for Jimmy to find people and some windows to throw the ball through. So um, I liked how we, we anchored the pocket. We're going to need to do another uh, really good job this week against a really good front uh, that will you know challenge us in many ways. But I thought we got off to a decent start in pass protection against Denver. Your defenders, your rookie defenders, Tyree Wilson, Byron Young, and Ja'Cory and Bennett, you start three rookies in that game, Coach, and it's a one-score game and you win. you got to be happy about that. Yeah, I think, you know, I was really, you know, they, they, we had a, quite a few of them out there for a number of snaps. Michael Mayer on offense as well. So, um, again, as the season goes, I think we'll probably even get contributions from more of our rookie class. Uh, but, you know, I thought they, they got put in some, uh, some big spots. Um, you know, Jacorin made some really good plays on the edge. Uh, I thought he had to tackle in space. And uh, Tyree and, and Byron, again, are continuing to get uh, their legs underneath them here as they're working back in. So, uh, you know, a, an opportunity to learn a lot from that game. Uh, most rookies really uh, can tell a change in the tempo and pace uh, that a regular season game is being played at from the preseason. I think all those guys saw that, and hopefully we'll be better acclimated to it here as we head into to the Buffalo game. Divine Diablo, Coach, was running around too. I love that about him. He's big. He put on that muscle you and I talked about in the offseason, and I love the fact that he can get behind the line of scrimmage and tackle in space. 
Yeah, yeah. I thought he he really did a decent job of of of, of covering ground, uh, showing up where he was supposed to. I thought he played physical. Uh, made a really important play for us uh, in our last defensive red zone possession there where he knocked the ball down uh, on a close play that could have potentially been a touchdown. Um, you know, Devine's just been a, a solid player for us all spring, all summer. Um, really was ready to go last week, and we're going to need him to play well again this week. Tell us about the trip to West Virginia. You've been there in the past. You know it, and a couple of players have never been there. What was that like, Coach, behind the scenes with Mark Davis, Dave? you got a great staff, a travel staff, a lot of people behind the scenes making this work. Yeah, this is, uh, uh, again, a lot of credit goes to uh, all the people uh, that work in-house for us that, that, that really put this whole thing together, uh, you know, made trips out in the spring and summer uh, to make sure that we knew exactly what the lay of the land was going to be and how we were going to set up our offices, our film rooms, our meeting rooms, our practice facility, locker room, equipment, training room. Um, the meal preparation, all that stuff. We had a lot of people, a number of people uh, that, that did a lot of hard work here to allow this to happen and really appreciative of Mr. Davis um, allowing us to go ahead and, and, and do something like this to prepare to, to try to win a game on the road on the East Coast. And as you know, a, a lot of, uh, you know, we have a lot of trips, you know, coming this way, um, you know, and, and you try a lot of different things. We've researched it a number of different ways, talked to a number of different clubs, um, you know, and, and we obviously know what we've done in the past. So just felt like this at the early part of the season would be an opportunity to do a few things. One, get acclimated to the weather if it was going to be different than what we're getting in Vegas, which it clearly is. Uh, two, we're going to all be on the eastern time zone by Sunday. Our body clocks will have uh, acclimated to the east coast time, so we won't feel like we're playing the game at 10 a.m. And three, I think it gives our team an opportunity to, to have another bonding experience. And uh, you need those as you go through the season. You want your team to get close to one another. Uh, and, I, and I see that happening here in West Virginia. All right, as we get into Buffalo, Coach, you know the whole week in sports, radio, television was all about the Aaron Rodgers injury on 9-11. Buffalo loses that game. They get you on a short week. You've had a lot of success in the past, personally, in Buffalo with the teams when you went in there. But now you're in there as a head coach. Let's first talk about crowd noise in this environment because you handled it well, Silent Count, in Denver. What's the similarities here? Very similar. Um, this will be, I mean, it's their home opener. Um, their crowd is, uh, you know, is re- really a rowdy crowd, very electric. Um, they'll try to make it difficult on our offense and some of our kicking units uh, to execute before the ball snaps. So, um, you know, we're, look, there's no shortcut to that. You know, we're, we're practicing with the noise all week like we did last week. Um, I think our offensive unit and our kicking units have really embraced that. Uh, we know what we have to deal with prior to the ball being snapped. There's a lot of focus, concentration, and execution that needs to take place. And, um, you know, I thought we did a decent job in Denver. We're going to need to do it again here in Buffalo. Stefan Diggs had 10 receptions, 102 yards, and a touchdown. You mentioned Gabe Davis earlier in the week. Dalton Kincaid, Daw- Dawson Knox, they got good players. When they go 4-5 wide with this quarterback, who you gave a lot of praise to. You've competed against him, and we'll talk about this whole offensive unit. Uh, let's get into some of the challenges when they try to attack on offense. Yeah, this is a very uh, talented group offensively. Obviously, the quarterback um, makes it all go. Uh, he's one of the premier players in our league. Um, he can hurt you with his mind. He can hurt you with his arm. He can hurt you with his legs. 
Um, and, and so every play, uh, we have to do a good job of understanding who we're playing against and really playing him the right way. Um, you know, th- their skill group is very deep and talented. Obviously, Diggs is one of the best receivers in the league, and there's no question about that. Um, you know, the, the tight end position for them is they got some playmakers there with, with Knox and, um, you know, Kincaid, who, who we liked in the draft as well. And, uh, and then Davis, Hardy, their backs, Cook's really become a good football player. Damian Harris, I mean, there, there's no shortage of guys for them to get the ball to. And it's really a space game with them. Uh, they spread you out and try to create opportunities for their skill players or their quarterbacks. So we're going to need to do a good job of understanding, you know, how we have to play the game and be disciplined enough to play it the right way uh, for 60 minutes against this team or else they create explosive plays against you. Coach, as we wrap this up, it's interesting for you. You've been in a lot of shootouts, and you've been in low-scoring games. You know how to coach those games as a play caller. And it was a low-scoring game at MetLife for the Buffalo Bills as they lost. And with the weapons that you have coming into this game, Hunter didn't get any targets. Michael Mayer didn't have a reception here. But you have those guys, and we're going to wait on Jacoby and his status as he's in protocol. Is that the strength also of this offense, that Josh can get going on the ground? You can take the air out of the ball. But if you have to get in a shootout, with Jimmy, you have the capability to do that. Yeah, you'd like to put together a football team that has the ability to win in a number of different ways. And um, obviously we want to play good defense, play good in the kicking game and and hold the opponent's score down if we can. And um, if that's the case and we, you know, we, we play it a certain way, then you know, I think we can adapt to that and do that. I think um, you know, if we if we need to do it a different way, then we're going to have to you know we're going to have to get contributions from everyone. That's just how a good offense executes and runs. Um, they're very well coached. They're going to know uh, who are who are you know top targets have been, and they'll make it difficult on us to try to get the ball to some of those guys at times. And you know, other people will have to step up. And again, the the other day, I mean, six possessions for the entire game was yeah. a very unique situation. It, it limited a lot of things that we could have done in the game just because we didn't have that many plays and the, and the ball that much. So, um, you know, hopefully we'll get back to our, you know, normal 10 or 11 possession game. And I think the ball will get distributed where it's supposed to go. I did think Jimmy did a good job of that the other day. Mm-hmm. It just so happened it went to a few more guys more than the rest. Last one, Coach, the atmosphere for the Raider fans that you saw in Denver. Buffalo's unique because you've been there a lot. It's a hub. It's western New York. You'll have fans in Chicago and Detroit. But this one pulls from Canada with the Raider Nation, New York, that whole region there that can get in their car and drive. It's a tough ticket for Raider fans because it's their home opener. But the ones who get into Orchard Park are going to be there for you. No question. And at the end, you could hear him during the course of the, the pregame warm-ups last week, and you heard him at the end of the game. And um, our, 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 our fans follow us everywhere we go. Um, like I said, I've said a number of times before, it's the best fans in sports. And, um, you know, we're looking forward to some silver and black populating the stadium there in Orchard Park. And uh, we're going to try to do everything we can to give them a bunch to cheer about. Good luck in Buffalo. We'll see you back in Vegas next week, Coach. Thank you. You got it. Thank you. We appreciate Josh McDaniels and his time. And now we'll get back on a schedule next week, which will be more conducive because we'll be in the same studio together. Remember, that interview goes on TV for the Silver and Black Show. You can catch that. And all of the Raider television that is out there is at Raiders.com on all the Raider platforms out there. 
Coming up next, we'll get to Jason Horowitz. Uh, Jason jumped in for Lincoln. Lincoln was ill last week. We hope he's feeling better. And the voice of the Raiders joined Q Myers and myself on Raiders Roundtable. We had a pretty good discussion, not only his vision of what happened in Denver, but the look ahead to the Buffalo Bills and what it will take for the Raiders to get the job done in a big spot. It's brought to you by the 872 Laborers. Tommy White, who's in charge of the 872, he'll join me next week as we'll talk about the stadium, how exciting it is to host the Super Bowl, and the home opener for the Pittsburgh Steelers next Sunday night. As we continue Friday from Lotus Broadcasting here on the flagship of the Silver and Black. JT, back to Kila Commissario. We're thrilled about this new partnership that we have. We're really proud of it because the Maloops are involved. It's an award-winning tequila company that wins a lot of awards, a lot of medals, and that's really important in that industry. Always wanted to kill a partner, and now I have a big one, one of the biggest, and I'm thrilled about that. When you look at Commissario and the type of tequila that it has, oh, my God, the Añejo, the Blanco, whatever you mix your margaritas with, if you like tequila shots, drive responsibly. This is a fantastic tequila as we continue here on Friday. A couple of things I want to get to coming up. Uh, Q and I, our conversation with Jason Horowitz, the voice of the Raiders earlier in the week, Raiders Roundtable. I like to throw in a little content that maybe you didn't hear, and I thought it was really good. The voice of the Raiders after the call in Denver, and now previewing the Buffalo Bills. That'll come up here in a little bit. Very busy week now. A lot of good content rolling in on what's happening in West Virginia as the Raiders went there. Vic Tafer, who joins us every other Friday. Uh, Vic Tafer has a good piece on what it was like and what's going on in West Virginia. And it's a roll of the dice, and it can't hurt. I mean, you can't say that if the Raiders don't win the game, they were affected by going to West Virginia. And if they win the game, people are probably going to say, yeah, the Raiders won the game because they got out east and they were there days in advance. Either way, I hope it's a great decision. I hope the Raiders are in a good spot not only to win that game, but to come out of there. Because when we saw the injury report earlier in the week and heading into the weekend here, there are Raiders who are dinged up. And I don't know if it's severe or not because I'm not a trainer. I'm not a doctor. I listen to what the Raiders say when they put out the injury report. And one of the things we do here on the flagship is we don't give information out erroneously. We don't say, hey, man, I think Trayvon Merrick's thumb is good. How would I know? I don't know anything about his thumb. I have no idea about Jimmy G's ankle. All I told you in the offseason was Jimmy G would be fine. Jimmy G would be healthy. Jimmy G would be ready to go. And I was right about that. So a couple of quick things as we get rolling here for the games on Sunday. Uh, Tom Looney, my partner on the podcast, for years we loved week two and what happens after week two. Maybe the most dramatic week in the NFL other than the week before the playoffs starting. So if you're trying to get the wild card, you have to win to get into the playoffs. That's very dramatic. But I think week two is very dramatic because teams go 0-2. And if you go 0-2, I'm not saying that you can't make the playoffs but you go down dramatically with the odds of even making the playoffs. Starting off 0-2 is a really big road to clean up because you got to win two games in a row to get back to 500, and that takes an overall month of the season, four games to get to 2-2. Two and two. And I've always said if you're 0-2, you're probably going to be 1-3, and 3-5, three, three and 4-7. and seven. It's hard to come out of that hole. So let's look at a couple of teams here. 
as we take a look at what's coming up on Sunday, the Chargers in Tennessee. I went on the radio in Los Angeles earlier this week, and I really believe this, that Brandon Staley will get fired by the Chargers potentially if he loses this game and then one of the next two because the Raiders are week four for the Chargers. If they go one and three or 0 oh and four, they go into the bye week, week five. And I don't think Brandon Staley would survive. Remember, I was with the Raiders when the Raiders fire, fired Dennis Allen when they went 0-4. Oh Anybody remember that? Raise your hand, beep your horn. I was there in London. We went to London at Wembley, and the Raiders lost. And a coach by the name of Tony Sperano, may he rest in peace, took over for the Raiders, buried the football in Alameda. They took the football and buried it and tried to save the season. And I thought the Raiders played really hard for Coach Sperano who was well-respected, but Dennis Allen got fired because there was no way that he was going to go from the season before and then go 0-4 and keep his job. So Staley, I don't think, will lose a bunch of games this year. I had the Chargers as a playoff team before the season started, but that first loss at home to Miami, and this is Tennessee's home opener, and depending on what price you got on this when the line opened up minus 3.5 and and it's mostly at 3, the Chargers are a road favorite in Nashville – and Mike Vrabel's the head coach there. He's a really good coach. He is. He was a great player, a multiple champion with the Patriots. McDaniels and Ziegler know him well. And it's tough to beat his teams. They're tough. But they got Ryan Tannehill. I think Tennessee can win that game only because it's their home opener. And they almost beat New Orleans last week if Tannehill didn't throw three touchdowns in that game. Another team that I think's in a big trouble potentially is Seattle. I picked Seattle to get to the playoffs with the final wild card over the New York Giants. Uh, Detroit it opened up a two-and-a-half-point favorite, and it's five to five-and-a-half, depending on where you're shopping here. The Sharps, a lot of the public love Detroit. They love Detroit. A lot of times this is a good spot on how to bet Seattle because a lot of people are talking about Seattle being down. They saw them lose to the Rams. Seattle was a good team last year, and everybody – is love in Detroit. So a lot of gamblers like that spot to take the underdog. I like Detroit to win the game. Maybe they don't cover the spread. I'll even say they don't cover the spread, but I think Detroit wins at home to go 2-0. Tampa Bay plays Chicago. Tampa Bay, the initially when this line came out, Chicago was a one-and-a-half point favorite. Now Tampa Bay's two-and-a-half, depending on what this game goes off on Sunday. Buffalo's the big talk all week on this show. As we've seen this number open at eight and go anywhere to nine and a half, you know, eight and a half. DraftKings had it at eight and a half. So, again, it's still a big number here, but a lot of people think Buffalo is going to bounce back because they lost their first game and this is their home opener. I love the Jacksonville game. Uh, Kansas City is a three to three and a half point favorite on the road against Jacksonville. Uh, Jacksonville doesn't have a history of a great home field advantage. But this is one of the best teams they've ever had or best rosters that they've ever had dating back to Mark Burnell. So if Jacksonville really wants to make a statement this year and I have them winning the division and having a home playoff game, beat Kansas City and send Kansas City to 0-2. The decision on Travis Kelsey trying to play or not will be a big decision here over the weekend. And Kansas City being a road favorite is something to keep an eye on. I think Jack Kansas City will win the game. They're a great team. They're the Super Bowl champs. I don't see them going 0-2 out of the gate as much as I'd like to see them go 0-2 out of the gate. The team I think that's going to win in a bounce back is the New York Giants, but that number is really big. They're a five-and-a-half-point favorite in Arizona. Arizona's awful, 
and the Giants are not as bad as the game they played, but they played their worst game in the history of the franchise. Let's see if the Giants can bounce back and win this game. I think they will, but I think that number is really high, and I think Arizona will cover the spread. And then the last one I wanted to mention is a whole bunch of games. I'm not going to get to everyone here on this Friday, but what about the Jets? The Jets came up a highly emotional win in the emotion of losing Aaron Rodgers. I said emotion twice. They put everything into that win on 9-11. I don't expect them to have anything at Dallas. But Dallas is laying nine to nine and a half, and Dallas destroyed the Giants, and that was a throwout statistic. If they played the Giants ten times, maybe they win six or seven times with the Giants give them a fight. And the public's going to love Dallas. Remember, I picked Dallas to win the Super Bowl this year. I like Dallas a lot, but that's a big number. And the Jets are coming off the emotion of a great win and the emotion of losing Aaron Rodgers. That's a tough game to handicap. I got to assume the Jets are going to try to run the ball and cover that spread, but I like Dallas to win. So that's just a little bit about some of the games that are coming up here. I want to get to Q Myers and myself. This was from Raiders Roundtable earlier in the week on Tuesday. Great to catch up with the voice of the Raiders, Jason Horowitz. We're back on Raiders Roundtable, brought to you by America First Credit Union, Q Myers. And we bring in the voice of the Raiders, Jason Horowitz. And Jason, like Josh Jacobs, you are perfect in the Denver rivalry. Look at you. You have not <laughs> lost to Denver in the booth. What was the trip like? What an exciting moment for Raider fans who made that trip to Mile High. Well, I've had two very enjoyable trips to Empower Field at Mile High Stadium. We had the Devontae Adams walk-off overtime winner which started probably the craziest month of my life in broadcasting uh, because it was followed up with the Josh Jacobs 86-yard overtime winner and finished with the Chandler Jones stiff arm of Max Jones. So, uh, and, then, and then we end with this. I, look, I think the great thing about, and you introduced me to this, JT. I think you call them the ponies, right? You don't call them the Broncos anymore. You call them the ponies. I call them the donkeys. And, uh, the donkeys. Alone. The donkeys. That's donkeys. right. You call them the donkeys. That's the right. Donkeys. Pony. Pony. Pony is too polite a to term for you. That's right. That's right. But but what's great? What's been great about this is like, you know, I, I thought Russell Wilson for three quarters or two and a half quarters was really impressive and like that feeling of Sean Payton fixed him. Things are good. Their offense is moving the right. But yet you looked at the statistics. And you looked at the score, and you're like, hey, the defense is actually playing pretty well. And, like, you felt like there were some really good plays happening. Divine Diablo, Nate Hobbs, even Ja'Korian Bennett. I know he got flagged for two pass interference, and, you know, pro football focus didn't rate him very high. But he made some really good plays in the running game. And, and so you felt the defense had some stops, but it didn't look that way, yet they hadn't scored that many points. And then you get to the third and fourth quarter, and you get – Third down stops. You get a couple of plays. Jerry Tillery had a sack, and it sets up an opportunity for for Jimmy G to score a touchdown to Jacoby Myers, and then run out a five minute clock. And they did both of those things. It was a very impressive fourth quarter for the Raiders. Well, speaking of Jimmy G, what did you think about his first performance under center as a Silver and Blacks quarterback? He was poised. I, I think that's without a doubt, right? And I know all the articles written post game about what the locker room has said and what was talked about and. Um, how he won over the team by running out, running the ball to get the first down and how fired up they were for him. And he was admitting his own mistakes um, when they were, when they were on the sideline. No, everybody talks so uh, glowingly about number 10. And I just, you you felt right from the get go guys that he had a major command of this offense. 
You know, it wasn't like we had a ton of explosive plays. It wasn't like we were getting 30, 40 yard chunks, but they were getting big play. They were converting third downs. I think we were four or five in the second half on third down. You don't, you don't get better than that in the NFL. And when they had to get plays to win this football game, he did it every single time with the exception of the interception. And, and, you know, my, my other thought about that is all off season, we heard about Jimmy Garoppolo, how cool and calm he is after a mistake. And we saw that on Sunday yeah. had the mistake. The defense gave him a chance to go down the field again. Now they needed a touchdown instead of a field goal. And what do they do? They, they do it. So I, I, I was very impressed by Jimmy Garoppolo's first game in the silver and black. Yeah, I think that's a really important topic, the body language. I'm a mm-hmm. big body language yeah. guy. And when you have a quarterback there who's not sitting by himself and a quarterback right. there who's getting up and getting his teammates going and a quarterback that's out there doing that, that is important because that was talked about, Q, after the game about right. the composure. They had a chance to lose that game. A lot of things had to go well for them to win. You got a kicker who misses an extra point and a field goal that would have won the game for Denver. A lot of things happened. There was an interception by Jimmy G. Calm and cool. The body language, I thought, was exceptional, Q, and you didn't see him rattled at all. That's very important. No, it is. It's really important. And, you know, to see the team not panic when Masterson has the the penalty, the roughing the the punter, and and then the defense to be able to hold the Broncos to only a field goal. How big was that, especially those adjustments the defense made in the second half, Jason? Oh, they were huge. I I want to go back, JT, to what you just said, though, because I know we've talked about this a lot, that Will Lutz missed extra point. That ties the game. Yes, he missed a 55-yarder, and he's not great in his career from 50-plus anyway. He's, he's good, but he's not like, he's not like Daniel Carlson uh, accuracy-wise. But, like, you know, if let's say he doesn't miss the extra point because most NFL kickers don't miss those. Mm-hmm. Jimmy G still went down the field, and the game would have been tied 17-17, and they would have been playing for a game when he came. So we may still have won that game 2017 anyway. So, so put that part aside. The, the defense, you know, it's weird, and I don't know if you guys felt this watching it on TV uh, and listening to it on, on Raider Nation Radio. It's weird because it felt like the Broncos' offense was clicking and getting what they wanted and converting on third downs and just ticky-tack down the field and picking the defense apart. Yet at the end of the game, you look at statistics, and we had like seven or eight tackles for loss. Mm-hmm. Um, we only give up 16 points. And not even 275 yards of offense. And so all the questions about Russell Wilson and their offense, again, are still there. I, I, I'm i not positive how I feel. I think the second half massive plays that they made to get off the field when they had to were major steps in the right direction. And the only difference between some of those times that we did that last year, but the offense didn't take advantage of it, and this time is that the offense did. You know, I, I go back to the Steelers game, guys, that we lost in Pittsburgh Christmas Eve last year. And the defense played really well. Raiders lose that game 13-10, but the defense forced a three and out with the Raiders up 10-7 and an opportunity for the Raiders offense to get back on the field and close it out with a couple of first downs. The difference is the Raiders went three and out themselves, Mm -hmm. and then the defense gave up the touchdown. This time the Raiders defense gets a three and out, and Jimmy G closes out the game. So I just – the two worked well together, and I think it allows the defense to be highlighted for what they did well. We're looking at a couple of the defensive stats here that jump out. It's first half, second half. Passing yards allowed, 41 in the second half, 125 by Wilson in the first. 13 points in the first half, three in the second half. A couple of other individual stats. Max Crosby of Vegas, five tackles, two quarterback hits, and a sack here. And I want to ask you about Nate Hobbs. 12 tackles, two for a loss here. 
Matt Millen said it on the broadcast with you, and he's unbelievable when, you know, you have a corner leading the team in tackles or a safety. That normally isn't good. But I think it's good right. with Hobbs because I love the way Hobbs gets behind the line of scrimmage. When he guesses right, he can make a play like a linebacker. And I call for Hobbs to have a big year. The two guys that can flip this whole season, Jason, for the Raiders and make the defense elevate that it's not the new guys, per se. It's a guy like Hobbs who has been here and Merrick who has been here before. They have to yeah. elevate their game. Yeah. It's the trio of third-year guys, JT. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all made massive plays on Sunday. Hobbs obviously had a couple of tackles for loss. Divine Diablo, there was a lot written about in the offseason about him getting more on his shoulders and getting the green dot. And let's not forget, there were three or four plays where Divine Diablo was – in the uh, in the flat or getting the check down, and he did not allow the running back to get a yard, like two or three different times. Right. Those were big plays. He also had a blitz, uh, which got just – he steamrolled whoever the running back was. That was the play that Russell Wilson, I think, fumbled the football, and, and Diablo was on top of it too. It was called back because of illegal use of hands, but, like, he played well. Yeah. And then your point about Trayvon Merrick, there were a couple of plays earlier that didn't look very good and it looked like, okay, we got some issues there. He went into the locker room. I don't know if everyone saw or noticed, but he had a cast on his hand for the second half. And who made the play to stop the mm-hmm. Broncos to force the three and out to get the ball back with five minutes to go? Trayvon Merrick getting on top of Adam Troutman about three or four yards before the first down marker. So all three of those guys had moments where they stepped up big. And, and those three are going to be huge as this year goes on. They you know, and, and I love the fact that you pointed out Merrick in that open field tackle. It was him and, and, and Troutman. That's it, right? So, I mean, he had That's to it. get him. That was that, it. That was it. He That's had it. to get, get him to the, the ground. ground. <laughs> right. But Ja'Cory Bennett, the rookie, he was able to do that as well. I mean, he got called for a couple yep. flags throughout the game. But he showed his willingness, Jason, to go in there and tackle it and not be afraid of the moment. Yeah, no, he's he's an impressive guy, guys. And I, and I don't know if it's by design that he is playing press coverage all the time. He's on top of the receivers. I don't know if maybe that's a little bit different next week with with guys who can be really explosive and Stephon Diggs and and uh, Gabe Davis and all those stuff with 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 Buffalo and Josh Allen, his ability to extend the play. So I, I don't know how that changes or whatever it does. But you're right, guys. I mean, the, the ability for those two corners – uh, Hobbs and Bennett to come up, stick their nose in, and play in the run game, mm-hmm. uh, and also let passes go for you know that's it you know don't miss tackles and they didn't really do that. That's that's impressive and that's important. And again, the Raiders didn't have massive plays on offense. The the Broncos didn't have massive plays on offense. We'll see if that continues. But that was a massive problem last year, right? Mm-hmm. The amount of big explosive plays that this defense gave up, and at least for one week, that didn't happen. Jason Horowitz is the voice of the Raiders. He joins us on Raiders Roundtable. I want to talk about Spillane. You mentioned Diablo. Big game for him because I don't know how great he played, the pro football focus grade, but he was in a couple of spots where he was a torpedo and made a good tackle here. And 64 out of 64 snaps. Devine had 60 out of 64. Total tackles for Devine was nine, seven for Robert Spillane, who had a tackle for a loss. He's really important. Mm -hmm. We're talking about three out of four games on the road against Russell Wilson, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert on the road. He has got to find a way to stop the run, Jason. So guys like Marcus Peters, who we haven't got to yet, they didn't throw at him. How important was Spillane in the system? What did you see from calling the game? I, you know, mixed. I, I I thought there were mixed results for for Robert Spillane uh, mm-hmm. because there were some big plays that he made, like you talked about, where he was a torpedo, and he, there were plays against uh, Javante Williams where he got him down at the line and scrimmage, like just hard hits. 
there were also some plays that he missed some tackles and some runs went for about 13 or 14 yards. So uh, look, Robert Spillane came in and the, the talk about him in this offseason is how well he plays in the run game, um, how smart he is helping the defense with communication and a, a sure tackler. And you saw that. Um, you also saw some, some plays where, you know, he needs to get the guy down to the ground so it doesn't go for a big play. So I, I think there's room for improvement. I think he would even tell you, but he also showed the ability of why they brought him in. And, and so those two guys, you know, it's Luke Masterson throw him in too. Um, we'll see what happens, but you know, there, other than Marcus Peters, it wasn't like massive names that were brought in mm-hmm. here for this, for the defense in the off season but they were brought in specifically for a variety of reasons. And, and I think their leadership and their communication are the two. And if, the, if those things continue to improve, I think this defense has a chance to be, look, we're not going to have the number one defense in the NFL. Right. But this is even as a chance to be a reason they win football games as opposed to what happened last year where there was some, a bunch of games where it was the reason they lost football games. They just need to be complimentary, right? On the defensive side of things, they need to be complimentary and be able to uh, support that offense because I think the offense has an opportunity to be really good. Real quick, I did want to ask you, if we're talking defense, i got to ask about Max Crosby. Uh, You know, there's not a stat for, 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 uh, you know, times that you cause a holding penalty, but there was a series, Jason. He caused a holding penalty. That was back up 10 yards. Then the next play was a sack. Very next play was a quick screen pass from Russell Wilson. Diablo blew up. That was all because Max Crosby wrecked the game. How much more do you think you could see from Max? Because they moved him around quite a bit in this game as well. You know, that was something we pointed out a couple of times on Sunday was that I I don't remember, and and I'm sure Pro Football Focus or somebody has this, but I don't remember how many times he lined up on the right side over the left tackle last year, but I don't remember it being a lot. Right. And there were definitely a few times on Sunday where it stood out because they were rotating, and some were with Tyree Wilson on the other side, um, some were with Malcolm Coots, sometimes they had Byron Young on the outside, you know, so it was a mixture of things. He's got to have help, guys. Like we, we talked about this all last year. Max Crosby is a one-man wrecking crew. He has it with a with a rush through a def- uh, alignment. He's able to get around guys. He's going down the line. He's t- tackling running backs from behind. He never stops. We know that though, and it's getting even better. And and it's the reason he was voted by his peers as a top twenty player. And I wouldn't be surprised when that poll comes out next year if he's voted a top ten player. You know, Max is an unbelievable young defensive lineman in this league that just does not stop. But he needs help. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, whether that is Tyree Wilson coming along and having more of an impact as, as the season goes along, I'm sure the Raiders are hopeful of that. That's why you drafted guy number seven. Whether it's Byron Young or Tillery having pressure from the inside or maybe John Jenkins on plays, he's in there. Whoever that is from the inside, um, that would be helpful. Or Malcolm Coons, right? Another one of those third-year guys we were talking about who, who got more opportunity this weekend. Somebody is going to have to step up and help Max if this defense is going to be as good as they need it to be. Because this, as, as well as the secondary played, I think at times on Sunday, particularly in the second half, if you're giving quarterbacks, like you mentioned, five, six, seven seconds to throw, mm-hmm. and then JT, you want to take it on beyond Herbert, the week after that is Jordan Love. Jordan Love had an unbelievable yeah, start on yeah, Sunday. Yep. And then Mac Jones even played pretty well after the first quarter. And then after that, you know, Jared Goff is coming up, and then we'll see what happens. You can't give those guys five and six seconds to throw. Real so, quickly. So someone has to help Max. And real quickly on Jacoby Myers, I want to get to him. He's in protocol as we host Raiders yeah. Roundtable. We'll see what happens with him later in the week. He had a monster game. I think Hunter could have the same game. He's had the same game many times here. Two years ago, though. So I'm wondering what's going to happen here with that slot receiver because Jimmy was dialed in. 
and Jacoby just looked bigger and yeah. stronger than even I saw him when he was out here at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. He can get open quickly, and it seems like Jimmy really likes to target him. Yeah, and, and there's communication there. Clearly, those guys have a, had a rapport from mm-hmm. the, the offseason. Great point. And, you know, last, we talked last week uh, on the variety of Raiders shows, including Silver and Black Show, about um, you know the matchup to watch. And everyone was talking about Devontae mixed in with Patrick Sertan because of how special those two are. But I said, look, that means you're going to have the other receiver. And it was Jacoby Myers, and, and he delivered. Um, it was a nasty hit, though, guys. That, you know, that's why TV didn't show the replay more than once. When they show someone's head, you know, eyes roll like that, they don't show it again. So we hope he's well, and we hope he's able to come back sooner rather than later. Um, but, yeah, if, if he can't play this weekend, that means there's opportunities for Hunter Renfro, DeAndre Carter, and Christian Wilkerson. We'll see who steps up. Well, with looking at this game coming up against the Bills, we saw them lose on Monday night to the Jets. Josh Allen had a lot of turnovers, four of them. How do you think he bounces back, he and how do you bad. think the Raiders uh, defend him? He looked bad, guys. Yeah. I, I, you know, and the Jets' defense is elite. Right. You know, so that that part of it's a little bit different. They don't have one pass rusher. They have seven. <laughs> so, yeah. so um, you know, and Josh Allen didn't have time, and he was making bad throws, and he was just – it was a rough night for Josh Allen. you got to think when they go home, Bill's Mafia, um, the whole thing there, knowing that they can't go to 0-2, you got to think that they're going to come out. And the key for the Raiders is how do they – handle that first punch in the mouth, mm-hmm. right? Can can they withstand what all that energy and emotion and all of the, the bounce back that's going to come from the Bills? Because if they can, you get the feeling you'll be in a fourth quarter game because we were in a lot of those last year. Um, but that first 15 minutes, they're going to face a ferocious Bills team, both sides of the ball. They're going to have to handle it. As a guy who went to Syracuse, you did. I went to Geneseo. I don't have to school you on chicken wings. They're the same I, school. <laughs> all right. All right. Now, listen, when you get your chicken wings, don't overthink it. Go to the anchor bar. Get them hot. Don't get them mild. You know it's blue cheese. There's never ranch. You know the program there. So play it down the middle. There will be Raider fans at the anchor bar there, I can promise you. You know I'm a weenie though, JT, right? So it's a hundred percent mild, and even if not, it might even just be like might be barbecue sauce. And if they'll do honey mustard wings, I would even okay. do that. You know I'm a weenie. So, <laughs> Have a good no week. Spices in my <laughs> safe travels to Buffalo. Twelve year old. Take care, Jason. Jason Harley. See you guys. There he is, the voice of the Raiders, and again undefeated he is yeah. in Denver, which is great. So Jason had a lot of good content there on what he thinks is going to happen. What happened in Denver? He had a great view of that game and that game was ugly the more and more i look at the numbers of what happened in that game raiders are really fortunate to win they needed defensive stops they got them they got them at a big time they got a missed extra point and a missed field goal that decided the game so are the raiders as good as that victory or are the raiders going to come back to reality i think the raiders are better than the victory I don't think the Raiders played a great game. They played a gritty and tough game. But I think they have the ability to start playing a better brand of football. That would be getting Michael Mayer involved, Hunter Renfro involved, and most importantly, getting the great Josh Jacobs going. This is the game, as I was on Buffalo Radio this week, I said it. This was the game where you got to get Josh Jacobs going. Can't wait till week three, four, or five for Josh to have his first 100-yard game. He's back. He led the league in rushing. Tough opponent. This is a tougher front, I think, in Buffalo than we saw in Denver. But I believe in this offensive line. Buffalo, I think you can run on Buffalo. Buffalo doesn't have the running game that the Raiders have. Going to be a big part of that game. Also, quick reminder, the game's early. On Sunday, we'll have an early edition 
of the Raiders pregame show before the postgame. So I like that from time to time, having my Sunday, still having a couple of hours in the day because the Raiders are playing early back east. All right, when we come back, we'll wrap it up on the other side and get you ready for the weekend here. I'm really proud to work on this flagship station. There's been some great content from all of our shows and a lot of great content at Raiders.com. want to thank La Casa Cigars, our new proud client in Tivoli Village. Great time last night. I was in there, had a great cigar, some friends with me, and we had a really cool time. I highly recommend it. a matter of fact, I'm going to be there a lot on Thursday nights because I had a great time last night. That's La Casa Cigars. Live music seven days a week. Football on Thursday night. An unbelievable brand of cigars and a tremendous depth of their whiskey and their cognacs and especially, oh my God, did you see the scotch that they had? One of my buddies had a couple of scotches on the rocks and said it was fantastic as we continue Friday on the flagship of the Silver and Black. JT, this is Raider Nation Radio. All right, welcome back. Bobby tells me i got to go really quick here. We'll all enjoy the weather. Q is on deck. want to thank the Black Hole. Go to theblackhole.com, click on membership, and become a fan. Modelo, my bucket of Modelo's tonight. Excited for that, the fighting spirit of Modelo. Tequila Commissario, our new tequila brand, award-winning, medal-winning tequila. It's fabulous. Gavin Maloof will be in studio with me on Tuesday to talk about this brand. We're always telling you team up for excellence with Remy Martin. Thanks to Remy Martin, proud partner of our show. Resorts World, uh, the newest and biggest property on the Strip, home of Monday Night Football at Dog House Saloon. Michael E. Minden, my personal diamond jeweler. You need jewelry. You're going to have to buy gifts and presents from your mom, your daughter, your son, whatever it is. Go see Michael on the second floor right there at Fashion Show Mall. Meet up Vegas. You know, I got you the meat hookup. Just got a new order of ground beef, chicken, and unbelievable tri-tip steaks. Go to meetupvegas.com. Put in my name, JT Brick, and you'll get the deal that I get. Grimaldi's is the best pizza I've ever had. You know that. Four locations in the Valley. Raisin Cane's Chicken Fingers, home of the box combo, best chicken fingers in town and proud partner also with UNLV. Tommy White and the 872 Laborers who built the Legion Stadium safely on time and on budget. We'll have Tommy on next week. M Resort Spa and Casino, Flowrider tonight. Head on out to Flowrider. That's our proud partner, M Resort. Also Golden Entertainment. They own PT64 in the Valley Everything they're doing with this big Raider giveaway that I talked about in the first hour. Head on out to your local PTs, any of the taverns, and ask about anything Raider-related. Happy hour 5 to 7, midnight to 2. Boyd Gaming, where a lot of locals go to gamble and watch the Raiders. Another partner that I tweeted out about this morning. The DeCastaverde Law Group. I was at the DeCastaverde home last night for a nice event. Alex DeCastaverde and Orlando DeCastaverde. I appreciate their friendship. If you get into an accident, give them a call. 702-222-9999. M-Ride, the new way to get in and out of a game, especially a Raider game at the Palms or Circa. You'll be hearing me talk a lot about Teo Johnson and his team at M-Ride coming up. And Woodson Bourbon Whiskey. Charles Woodson built his iconic brand, Now he has an iconic bourbon. And also last night, early in the evening for Thursday Night Football, I went to La Casa 
Cigars in Tivoli Village. Had a beautiful cigar. Unbelievable service. The staff was amazing. You'll be catching me there a lot, especially on Thursday nights for Thursday Night Football. Those are our partners. They're the reason I do the show. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks for listening on this Friday. Huge opportunity for the Raiders to beat the Bills. Pre-game show at 8 in the morning on Sunday on the flagship.